Welcome to the Owls on Culture podcast, where two generations of owls, Michael the dad, me, and Hank the son, discuss the latest in movies, plays, books, video games, and more. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Owls on Cultural podcast. I am your co-host, Michael Owl, and I am here with Hank Owl. Thank you. Happy Halloween, good man. Happy Halloween. It's the day that it is. It's the end of October, the best month. That's right. October 31st? Yes. That's the day that it is. It is. It is. Trick or treat? Tr- tr- yeah. Yeah. Let me give you this this candy that I have <laughs> right here with you. I, I, I threw it directly into your mouth. Great catch. Oh my gosh. Candy corn again. <laughs> do people, I'm sorry, not to get off track immediately, but do people not like candy corn? Is that like actually a thing? I, I think it is actually a thing. Some people candy like Candy corn's it. great. I, I think that's a minority opinion. I, I, hmm. when, I when, I have not had candy corn in a very long time. I think it was fine. Like two or three pieces is fine. I don't need like a handful. It's too much. It's a lot. I disagree. Well, nice. I think corn of the candy is, is a good, I'd, I'd rank it high on lists of Halloween candies. That makes me mad that I did not get you some then, because I had the odd opportunity and I chose not to do it. Oh, well, you don't, I don't need like a whole bag. <laughs> like if there's like a bowl that someone else has provided for us. Right. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll stick my hand in there following COVID protocol. <laughs> and have some candy corn. I'll have some candy corn. All right, next year. Next year is the Halloween of candy corn. Yes, candy corn. It's a very candy corn Halloween. Yes. Uh, how would you describe this Halloween? So I'd far? say this Halloween is pretty good. Uh, something happened that I that I'm not sure if you're aware of. Hey, what's that? Maybe I think I think you might have missed it. There was the the series 13 premiere of Doctor Who. Oh my gosh, that's right. That's uh, that's something I remember just watching. Like a whole whole new uh, Doctor Who series that's going. Six episodes following one uh, straight continuous story. Well, that that's fascinating. I, I can't Flux. wait to hear more about that. I know, I know, that's crazy. Yeah, I'm surprised you'd forgotten about it, seeming as we watched it like 25 minutes ago. <laughs> you know, I'm old. I have poor memory. Yeah, forgot about it all. You want me to recap the thing for you? Please do. I would love to. Yeah, I'd love to hear that. We can. Yeah, we let's. You know what? Uh, we'll work through it together, and we can recap it together, and maybe we'll include what we thought of it, if you if you happen to remember any of it. I think by doing that, some memories may come back, and I may have some comments about it. I think that's a great idea. All right. The Series 13 premiere. Series 13, also known as The Flux, is a special miniseries type thing. It was called The Halloween Apocalypse, because it's Halloween, and an apocalypse is happening. I like that name. On Halloween, all across the universe, terrifying forces are stirring from the Arctic Circle to deep space, and ancient evil is breaking free. And in present-day Liverpool, the life of Dan Lewis is about to change forever. This episode was written by Christopher Chibnall. Well, he goes by Chris. It, it might not even be short for Christopher. I don't know. I call him CC. It's uh, directed by Jamie Magnus Stone, who's directed several Doctor Who episodes of the Chibnall era. So is Jodie Whittaker as the Doctor. Mandip Gill is Yasmin Khan. And John Bishop is Dan Lewis, who is our new companion, who, if you remember, all the way back to New Year's Day, another time in which we had just watched a new Doctor Who episode, we complained about him. <laughs> we complained about him a lot. And their choice to <laughs> reveal him in a similar manner to revealing John Hurt 
playing the doctor when he played the war doctor. And it's worth mentioning. Spoilers. Oh, yeah. Spoilers, 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 spoilers. Go. guess I don't know how you would go watch the episode now since it aired at like 2.20 for the world premiere, probably because of like time zones or something. Yeah. And uh, it will, If I guess if you're in America, premieres tonight again. That's right. 8 o'clock, BBC, America. Perhaps you've recorded it and they're watching it like at 6 p.m. That could happen as well. I guess that's true. Yeah. Technology these days. Exactly. Um, I guess what's what's more to ask than what do you think about it? <laughs> Assuming you've regained all your memory now. Uh, so I've only regained my partial memory, but uh, my, my, my thoughts are that I enjoyed it. Uh, I, my expectations were pretty low going in, uh, though I thought the idea of a six-episode limited series almost run with, like, one storyline. Like, I liked that choice, and I was excited to see what happens with that. Uh, but I liked it. Um, I thought the cold open uh, made me nervous at first, halfway through. Again, the cold open was awful. So I disagree. Uh, and for the viewers, if you've, you know, you've already watched it now. But so, like, you know, they're hanging upside down, and you kind of know they are. Like, we saw that coming. At least I did. Did you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that was kind of obvious. And so at the first part of that, I was like, okay. And it's a little too witty banter, which happens. I don't know why. I mean, it happens in, like, some of the Davies and uh, other Who, too. But, like, I don't know. Maybe just saw it coming a little bit too much. And so I was nervous. And they're talking. But then towards the end of that cold open, I had some moments I really liked. I liked it when the gravity beam split apart, creating the witch's brooms kind of thing. Uh, it was cool and fun because it's Halloween, but it wasn't too obvious to me. They weren't like witches' brooms, and then the camera shows. You know, they didn't do like weird angles from the Wizard of Oz or anything like that. It just it felt like, oh, okay, yeah, oh, those are like witches' brooms now. That's kind of cool, and they didn't dwell on it. So I dug that. Uh, I liked the voice activated um, handcuffs and the, the problems with that. I thought that was kind of good and how that, that solved itself. Then I liked finding the TARDIS and diving in. Like So I, the last half of the cold open made me feel pretty good going into the opening credits. So you did not like the cold open? No, I was annoyed by it near the whole way through and I could like sigh out loud of like, oh no, I hope this is not the quality <laughs> of the gonna entire episode. It's going to be a long episode. Because <laughs> um, the one, the green screen, like wasn't good. It looked like green screen. Like, I noted that in my mind. I was like, this doesn't look good. I, I don't even notice stuff like that. And I think it's just my generation, maybe. Like, I'm, like, I never notice people say, oh, the CGI is awful. I rarely notice. I mean, it has to be really awful for me to notice. So it looked fine to me. It, it, well, I don't think it was good. <laughs> okay. And I doubt I'm, I haven't really checked what a lot of what other people think of it, but I doubt I'm the only one who thought that didn't look good. Yeah, probably not. But I doubt I'm the only one who didn't really notice or care. Yeah. And I was just an, I was annoyed by the banter. I, I sighed at the voice-activated handcuffs thing. <laughs> like, I gave you the handcuffs, but they're voice-activated. It was like, problem, immediate solution, in the same sentence as the problem is introduced. And I didn't. I, I did not like that. I was confused at our villain guy, but like the cold open was really the only thing I like really didn't like about this episode. All right, well that's that's let's let's go forward to the episode. Like then. once it started actually episoding, I was pretty I was pretty happy with it, and I, I it's worth saying what in what I thought of it. Um, 
I, I feel like this is like the best Doctor Who episode in a long while. I feel like, and maybe it's just because I just watched it. I feel like it's certainly the best episode of the Chibnall era. I would agree with that. I can't think of any other Chibnall era episode I liked more. Like, I can't, even episodes that we've, like, thought were, like, good for Chibnall. Right. (laughs) There's the Chibnall I feel like this is just, like, a good Doctor Who episode. I agree. And I'm, like, it's the first time in a while I felt, like, yay, Doctor Who, let's get on this podcast, not so I can, like, nitpick it to death, but so that I can actually talk about what, like, how I'm excited for the following episodes and excited about this episode. Right. And this episode is a challenge because this is the beginning of the six-parter. And so they have a lot of uh, things to set up that will hopefully be paid off later down the road. But that's probably getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. Uh, so speaking of how the new in- the companion was introduced at the end of the last series or yeah. with the thing, how did you think he was introduced in this episode? What did you think? Yeah, or am I is it getting too a, ahead? That is a good place to start. I mean, this episode is very busy. Yeah, it's a lot got going a on. lot going on. I think they try to introduce every single beat for the fall, the next, the whole six episode series. Right, the threads. Um, and I was happy about that. Like I kept being like, okay, yeah, give me more, give me more. As long as I'm like liking it, and as long as it's good, I'm I'm really I'm happy. But I feel like that's a good place to start because that's near where the episode starts. I'm really liking this guy. Yeah, he's an intriguing dude so far. What do we what do we know about him? We know he's from Liverpool. And he lots of pride in Liverpool, right? He's giving tours, unofficial tours. Yeah, so of the museum. And it's a little weird. So that's a very weird thing to do. I was that was also made me a little hesitant when that's that's the first scene we get with this guy. Um, but like, I, I I just liked him seeing his house and seeing him interact. He felt like like a nice, fleshed out, like lived in guy as opposed to Ryan and Graham of of the other parts of the Chibnall era who I could not connect to that first episode i'm like yeah i'm for dan i could not uh understand the liverpool accent though so we we did do subtitles on this very quickly oh yeah <laughs> on this episode i don't know if we hadn't done i don't know if y'all needed it or not but we we needed it yeah i'm not i yeah i'm not sure how we would have done without the subtitles <laughs> not, not very well i don't think because his accent i like that they had they have him with an accent. Yeah. And so then he's, you know, gets reprimanded and told he's going to get kicked out or, uh, you know, he, you know, stop giving these unofficial tours. So I wonder why he's giving those tours. Like what? That, he loves Liverpool. I guess so. so that's it. And then, but so he set up like a romantic interest and he has a, they have a date. You know, he's got somebody to meet. And right when they made the date, you know, weren't you pretty much like, okay, well, he's never going to make that date. Yeah. No. <laughs> you know, no. nobody ever, if, if, if somebody is meeting somebody at a specific time and place in Doctor Who, it's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, no. It's going to happen later with time travel reasons. Right. Um, we see him in the uh, the food bank helping out, so he's a good guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a little worried he was just going to be like some plank everyman. And he kind of is, but I, I just found him generally nice to be with. And he kind of, he's poor, clearly, because she's like, do you need some of the soup, too? Like, it was weird. So far, there's, like, interesting questions I have about him. Yeah, you know, I, so I think they they set him up for pretty nicely in the beginning. Also, a pretty nice house, though. Yeah, it it's was. Like, so I guess I don't some know contradictions how, there, so we don't know. I don't I don't know how it is in uh in the old U.S. of K, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh right. I feel like if he was really that poor, like I mean, that's a really nice house. Maybe it, maybe it's not for Liverpool, or maybe it was his mom's and she did, and he just inherited. Who knows? Huh. But intriguing things about the character. All right, so, uh, and as 
Yeah, there's so much. I don't know what order we want to touch on. Well, can we go? Can we talk a little bit about the doctor and this kind of visions that she was having? Yes, because I thought that I found that very intriguing. Some kind of psychic connection has been made with a big bad. Uh, I believe his name was the Swarm. The Swarm. Okay, very cool. I like that name. And so she is seeing things and that she doesn't understand, and then she's hiding all of that from Mendeep Gill, who's from Yaz. From Yaz. We read three seasons, or now I guess two, <laughs> half, and we cannot remember her name. At least we know the actor's name. <laughs> I guess that, that's true. I don't know if that's better or not. Uh, so something's going on there. What did, what did you? How did you feel with the doctor's interactions with Yaz? I. I liked it. Yaz is still, and I guess this is the only time we're going to get to see her solo with the Doctor. It's not that interesting. Um, but I, I kind of liked it. I liked the whole, like, Jody getting kind of defensive. Yeah, I feel Yaz is... shielded. Because, like, again, we've, we've been talking about again and again how we want the Doctor to feel alien. And we haven't really felt that a lot with Jody, but I kind of I kind of felt that then and I think it's trending in the right direction yeah she was like you know like hey haven't I haven't I shown you great things How, aren't we friends haven't I been doing great things for you you know and and Yaz is like yeah tell me the truth what's going on so I, I kind of at first again I had like I don't know just like the queasiness in my stomach of like the some of the things we didn't like from previous Chibnall episodes at least I did and then it kind of got better Kind of, oh, okay, they aren't doing exactly the same kind of argument or thing, and you're my family and all that kind of stuff. Because uh, uh, it's about family. <laughs> it is about family. Um, yeah, I, and it's different than other times Chibnall's tried to do this. I remember the, that moment when, like, Graham was talking about how he's feeling with Jazz and, and with, uh, not with Jazz, and with 13, and she was just like, I don't know how to deal with this. And I feel like that this is a different and better way to show her kind of like defensiveness and isolation and not really knowing how to interact with these people. Yeah, I hear that. So uh, I was happy to see it done done better and learning from previous mistakes. Well, speaking of the big bad who gave, you know, the doctor these images, uh, the big bad is in prison, right? Yeah, we see him imprisoned by the division, which if you remember uh, from... From series twelve, which we didn't, uh, we we had to check that. Uh, so who could forget? <laughs> <laughs> up a little bit, me, uh, with the with the timeless child. That was the whole organization that kind of kept her imprisoned and and kind of spread the 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 ability to regenerate to other Gallifreyans. I guess erased her memory, and that is why she does not remember the swarm. And I really like that. I, I, if you remember again back to the New Year's Day podcast, where I was like, I hope Chibnall doesn't back down on the Timeless Child stuff, just because all the criticism. Like this is, this is continuing the Timeless Child in a way that I don't think will annoy people that were not liking the Timeless Child. Like I feel like this is an interesting way to do it. Bring back, bring. I guess not back for the audience perspective, but back from a character perspective, a villain who we don't remember from the time of child, a villain who seems pretty, pretty interesting. Yes. So in the scene, I thought they set him up pretty well. Uh, so we have like two, I guess for lack of a better term, prison guards going around the universe, checking these cool time 
or I mean, they're not time prisons, but cool, high security prisons. And he breaks out. And this is a little criticism I do have with this scene because I thought he looked cool and he's clearly powerful and he can project psychic images and he escapes. But I didn't understand how he escaped. You know, and they don't explain that. They they kind of, Chibnall doesn't really. I imagine it is tied to this flux thing going on. Well, that's, so I'm hoping he pays this off. Like, I'm hoping eventually, but I, I feel like he would have already done it, but we, I don't know. But what happens to the two, you know, there's like a senior person and a junior person. And this guy, for some reason, is able to then get out of the prison when they come. And she's like, how did you do this? And he's like, patience and planning. And I feel like in the the best Doctor Who scenes that are like this in the setup is that there are small little reveals of what has happened that are not obvious, but like little mistakes are made either by the guards and then like the audience kind of slowly catches up on like, oh, wait, this is this is abnormal. And that caused that. Like, like the dots are connected a little bit to how he escaped. And this scene didn't do that. And I kind of I kind of. To me, this scene was like a B versus what, like an A is where, where it could have been. But I do like that he escaped. I like that he kills them in a pretty gruesome manner to me. That's pretty, like the whole disintegration thing, almost a little, little Marvel-esque, you know, at uh, whatever, not Endgame, but the one before it. Um, but I like the deaths were big and gruesome and like this guy's a powerful force to be reckoned with. So I dig that. Yeah, I was really happy with that. And I like the whole the backstory for him we a little bit we get. It seems like he's almost like a proto master kind of thing. Because he was talking with the doctor like we've skirmished and fought like a ton of times previously, but of course we don't remember. So clearly he was like some I guess if Doctor Who the television show was covering that area, a kind of like multi multi seasonal villain. Yeah, and I kind of like that. Now he's back for some final showdown. Like I, I, I'm intrigued by that idea of setting up a villain like that. Yeah, you know something else I enjoyed about this episode. It could have been a weakness, but I think it was a strength because there are so many kind of strands of storylines they are setting up for the rest of it. Uh, I thought the strands were set up very well, and I will point out the person who was in. Uh, this remote outpost, kind of solitary outpost by himself, watching the universe, I guess, you know, trying to see if anything is changing and, like, that's their job. And I just thought that they gave him, like, an interesting point of view, interesting dialogue, interesting kind of character uh, to have because he's kind of talking about how beautiful it is there and he's giving this report, but there's also, like, you know, thank you and, you know, screw you <laughs> for, like, you know, like, there was... You know, kind of a both. It, it, that it, that scene could have easily been one person by themselves and just have it been too boring or straightforward and with no, like, flavor to it. And I thought it had a lot of flavor. And I also thought the same about the Santorin scene where we had the one Santorin reporting to the other Santorin. It could have been just very cut and dry and boring, but they gave both of those Santorin characters, like, really strong points of view, which made the scenes interesting to me. Yeah, although I didn't like that. I was a little annoyed by like the, you look disgusting joke. I feel like that went a little too long. One beat too long. A little too long. <laughs> um, but I was happy with like, oh, yeah, we're doing Centaurans. I forgot about that. And like, I wasn't like, this is too busy. I was like, yeah, yeah, give me more. Yeah. Give me more Centauran stuff. Um, 
Do we want to talk about the Weeping Angels since we touched on the Centaurans? We get the more villains, or is that too, is that too far ahead? I do, but I, well, let's talk about let's talk about that character and how we meet her right before then. You know, because yeah. she comes up, so the Doctor and Yaz are. I forgot what is the, what is the crisis going on at that particular moment. They have just they've tried just, to find Dan. And the house yeah, they've gone to shrunk. Dan's house because they're, they're trying. We haven't even talked no, about dog about that. people. Let's talk about the dog person. On the, I that's don't remember their species. I f- it's not like it starts with a K. Kavorkians? You know, it's, it's not. It's not Kavorkian. Kavikians. It's. It, I don't. It's something. Like, it's with a K. Let's call them the K dog people. Uh, the dog race. Canines. Race canines. K nine. Um, canines. All right, call them K dog or just dog people. Dog people, sure. Um. And that whole idea is fascinating. We'll get there. But so that scene. So Dan is at you know, at his house. He has trigger treaters and the door knocks. And then this dog type alien comes to do what to him? We don't know, but he's got a weapon. He knocks down the door. And I thought that scene was good. Yeah, like, I was happy with that. Yeah, it could have gone again. It could have gone too cutesy with the dog and him like touching the dog and the fur is soft. Like it didn't cross that line to too cutesiness to me. Uh, and I thought he reacted pretty much like a real human would react, you know, like, oh, this is clearly Halloween, but not. And then, so I thought that scene worked well. And again, that's the scene, and maybe this, we're just scarred from Chibnall episodes, but like, it could have gone wrong. Like, oh, it yeah, could have been, it could have been a really bad scene, and it wasn't. Yeah, I, I was, I was pleasantly surprised by, by that scene, and that scene actually working. Yeah. So then he's kidnapped. He's in this cage. I thought that was cool. Yeah, and I like... Yeah, let's let's touch on the Weeping Angel stuff and with that new character. Okay, a little bit later, and let's talk about the dog people and that. I was I was satisfied with that twist of like they're coming to save them. Like there is a lot of interesting concepts going on in this episode. That's right. We hear about this big and we see this big invasion and this is like seven billion spaceships coming to attack Earth. Uh, and we think so. I I totally bought into like okay, this is a big invasion coming and we're in trouble. Yeah. And part of it was like, seven billion? That's a lot. <laughs> That's a little overkill. Like, I feel like if I was worried, like, if we're trying to actually treat those as a threat, like, how? Yeah, what are you going to do? Like how are you going to stop that, A fleet doctor? of seven billion. Right. And again, because we're scarred from Chibnall, like, we were, I was expecting something really bad. Like, at the end, the doctor's going to be like, ooh, you know, I'll just use my screwdriver, and then they all, like, disappear or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, it was not that. What was it? It was like... Like, do you have, what was it like species bond? Yeah, it's almost like a guardian angel. Like there's a species bond between the the dog people and human beings, and they're responsible. Each they're assigned a person, almost like a guardian angel. Yeah, yeah. I and think so. They're trying to protect. They know the flux is coming. I'm curious how they know that. And that's interesting because the Centaurans also seem to know that the flux was coming at some point, yeah. and they had sent a person, and a it's psychic possible. person, right? Like yeah. it was like a psychic agent kind of thing, right? The Centauran guy. And there's was. been a lot of this is again so much happening in this episode. Yeah, <laughs> the psychic stuff comes up again. Our their swarm person seems to have psychic powers. The dog people seem to have psychic powers, which didn't work on Dan for some reason. Oh yeah, that'll be interesting to find uh, out the why. The Centauran had psychic powers. Like it's very. Very interesting, and the 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 uh, what are the the division? Actually, we don't know if the the Watcher guy was a part of the division, do we? Which but one was the Watcher the, guy? The guy who you talked about that scene having flavor with, and the where he's also oh, the, yeah, we don't know. Yeah, we I don't know who he's reporting to or what he belongs to, right? 
Yeah, but like clearly it might be something that was sent there to watch for the flocks. Like so it's clear organizations were aware this is going to to happen. Yes, and we've completely forgotten about the scene in Victorian England where this like man with his heavy sideburns is building these tunnels and looking for poor people and to build these tunnels to give them work and and, and when he's asked why is he doing this he says to stop the and they used a what word would they use it was the a weird cataclysm. word cataclysm yeah the cataclysm coming but talking clearly talking about the flux right yeah so how does this guy know yeah. about it <laughs> who is he how does he know and how are these tunnels going to help i met maybe it probably has something to do with the swarm i imagine at some point we're going to find out about like the swarm is like orchestrating this somehow okay i could buy, I'll buy that but we haven't even touched on the swarm sister so that was really cool. Again, talking about these like random scenes of where they set things up. And this the beginning of the scene seems just exactly like that. I mean, it kind of is, I guess. It looks like a, you know, romantic relationship in the uh they're in the middle of nowhere and this, this sound alarm goes off. They look at it and they said this wasn't supposed to happen. And um <laughs> so she, happy with her life, not wanting to change things, destroys it instead of she, like doing whatever she's supposed to do. And I wonder, is that does that have to do with her being the sister? Is she aware that she's the sister at that point? Is that she, is she purposely trying to make it so that uh, the the flux or and it's unclear if the warning is about the flux or is the warning about uh, the swarm being free? Right, that's great, great question. I interpreted it at first that you know, like to protect her identity. So she doesn't reveal they like, they blocked out who she is, and then he reveals that. I love that. That was a great moment of like, you know, because we know we have psychic powers. Like, why am I causing me to say? And then she says, "Thank you." I really liked that moment. Yeah, I thought that was very cool. And then we all of a sudden reveal that it's a sister. So that's crazy. And then the sister comes and talks to Dan's. We're unaware of the status of their relationship then. Correct. But uh I guess they say that it's not a date date, but like yeah, but that means it's a date. <laughs> it's uh, the, the rom- Dan's romantic interest is who the sister, the swarm sister, is with. Right? Could they have picked a darker, more <laughs> foreboding street to meet on? By the way, oh my god, yeah. <laughs> like what? that made me. That was a little extreme to be. A- but I guess he is late, so maybe it's 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 darker out than it should have been. Right? Exactly. All right, so now let's go back because we've kind of almost introduced most of everyone. Let's let's introduce the the other brunette who comes up to the doctor and who Yaz. I thought was the same as Dan's love interest. At they first, do look a little similar. I get, yeah, that makes sense. I see that. Uh, so she comes up and she's like, "Hey, it's you, the doctor. I didn't expect you to be here. What's up?" <laughs> and the doctor and Yaz don't recognize her at all. So this person's clearly had some time travel going on experience. Um, uh, and that I'm really curious about who she is and what adventures they've been on. Yeah, and then we see a scene with her later with the Weeping Angel, and well, she, she knows about it. The Weeping Angel thing. Yeah. But here's another thing, and I just checked what people thought enough to see this theory that that her talking to the Doctor and Yaz is not the same as her getting hit by the Weeping Angel, and that'll introduce how she knows the Doctor. Wait, say that again? So that the version of the woman we see talking to the Doctor and Yaz in the scene where she's introduced is not the same in the timeline as 
the version of her we see getting hit by the weeping angel. Oh, so and that, that maybe is that a different ver- That version is before. It's it's hard to it's hard to time travel. It's not really a different timeline, but that that person is earlier in her life, the one getting hit by the weeping angel, than the person who is talking to the doctor. And getting hit by the weeping angel possibly goes back in time to probably the era where we saw the minor people. And maybe that's how she gets introduced to the doctor so that later we can see that conversation with the doctor and yes. That could be. I didn't take it as that. I didn't see evidence of that, but that that certainly could be. I I interpreted it as, you know, that the weeping angel... Well, that yeah, I don't know. We'll just have to wait and see. I'm confused on that because that's another thing. Like, and it is hard to talk about. Let's talk about the guy taking the long way around line. Oh, that, that line attracted us because uh, one explanation for that could be that she's taking the long way around because she knows she can't be in the same place as the other version of herself. Yeah, she does say the take the long time. way around to go home. Yeah, and the other when she is attacked by the weeping angel, she is going into her house. So that that could be, I guess. But taking the long way around is that's Clara's sig- thing. That's the signifier, yeah, for the end of um, whatever series that was with Clara. Series 9, I think. I think yeah, you might be right. Nah. That, that was about Clara and the hybrid kind of yeah. taking the long way around before. That was a great scene with the diner when the doctor and the Clara, and you eat, you think that the doctor doesn't know, and we have spoilers for that, whatever. Well, not really spoilers for that, because it's what? not spoilers. Well, I mean, it is spoilers if you haven't seen it. <laughs> I guess that's true, but like I guess spoilers for I don't, in my three mind, years ago, four or five years ago. Yeah. In my mind, spoilers for the most recent episode <laughs> applies to spoilers for like the entirety of the the show. Yeah, it does. it does. It does. Um, so, anyways, it brought back fun memories of that 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 episode. Oh that yeah. I liked. So, but then there was a pause over that. So I feel like Chibnall wants us to think something about that whole yeah. taking the long way around line which is cool I which could that. just mean nothing and those it could have been just like a little wink for us to be like Ooh, but also which very very river song ask mm-hmm. that conversation and that almost got me worried where i'm like i mean i know like this episode has like centaurs and weeping angels and stuff like that but like i wanted to be like i okay i don't need you to reference other showrunner stuff right now yeah <laughs> yeah like when we had I i'm mean, fine with them referring other shows so as long as it's done well and is good i mean we like like captain jack but that's a i guess that's a that's another thing when like captain jack came back in the chibnall era i was like is this this serving any value than just being like hey remember those things you liked yeah i think it, with all of these things if they're done well i think you'd be like Oh, that was cool. And if they're not done well, you're like, then it goes to oh, it's then it feels fan gimmicky. service or blah blah gimmicks. Yeah, it's just all on how it's executed. Uh, to me, um, so I'm curious to see what's going on. And so it did look like she got sent back somewhere in time. The that weeping angel is going to feed off that energy, right? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I wonder if she will go to Victorian England with the minor thing. That would that would be that would make sense. That would connect the storylines and be cool. Well. Um, but how does she know the doctor? And what is and the yes. weeping angel's motivation? Like, is the weeping angel just acting normally as the weeping angel does, or is right, it acting feeding. in some way motivated by the flux? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. I guess we're—it's hard to know about the weeping angel's sentience. Yeah, the scene that I think provided us maybe with the most kind of information and maybe also the most questions is when the swarm. 
goes back into the doctor's head and they have that conversation of, I've been fighting you and fighting you and fighting you and you don't remember. They did a good job of, you know, there's no corner of your mind that remembers this at all. So it implied they did a good job of, you know, the memory thing. Um, that we totally remember all of. The yeah, exactly. Thing. So that's so that's fascinating. And like you were saying, that is pre. That's pre. Doctor Who, you know, that's like Doctor Who we haven't seen before, right? Yeah, we haven't seen any of those adventures Eclipse or battles. Of, you haven't <laughs> seen, <laughs> never saw. Uh, but it's like pre. This is like a pre-first Doctor villain. Yeah. Like pre first, like nineteen sixty two or whatever three doctor, whatever it was, that doctor villain. Yeah, right. Not pre, the new pre first doctor. Yeah. Well, they get, yeah, it's important to say because I get confused. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, if I get confused, probably other people do too. Um. So it's all very interesting, and we've neglected to mention that our dog guy, oh, yeah. is, is an agent of the division. Oh yeah, Is it that's right. The division. <laughs> Am I forgetting the name? Yeah, no, the division. And she says like, and that's why she's going to him eventually. That's why she's tracking him, and he is really legitimately trying to kill her. It's weird because they have like fun conversations and little banter and stuff, and then it's like he's shooting that ray at her. I presume it's supposed to kill her. I mean, so well, that's a little. I mean, it could be little... like he could be very you know stressed and trying to get the stuff done for his to save the humans, right? Race. But it also could be part of like a division keeping the secrecy of the division. Yeah, and so his plan for for his race, the dog people's race, take every human that's assigned a thing, put them on the ship, and then the ship comes together to form some type of. I was picturing like a Voltron type thing, um, that will that is able to withstand the flux. But then what ended up happening is the doctor gave him another geometrical design that protected the earth somehow. And that felt a little bit weird. Yeah. Because honestly... Like, why like, not do that originally? Or why not do their plan originally just without the people and then go back and get the people? Or I don't know. Well, or, no, because the flux was coming to earth and was going to destroy earth. Okay, so this, this thing would have just... This only works because all the ships were already near earth at that time. Right. No, I get that. But like, what was their plan? Like, what was what was their formation going to look like? I don't know. If probably... she taught him a new one, and also, like, can you imagine, like, because he's he's an agent now. Yes, I guess some time vortex sent him there earlier, so maybe he would have the credibility. But like, I just can't imagine, like, hey, general, or hey, head of this thing, you know that plan we've been working on forever? Well, I just have this alien here called the Doctor, and she's telling us to do that, and I'm going to tell all seven billion of you guys to do it and we're just going to execute it like that without debating it or not like that that bothered me a little bit yeah and that's that's a reoccurring Chibnall problem is ending pro- ending storylines a little too quickly right like things yeah working out a little too well a little too easily which also maybe and maybe this is good maybe having the six episode for one storyline is helpful maybe that gives Chibnall enough time to flesh out these stories that maybe would be uh hurt by one episode right so they do form that geometrical grid thing right and then the flux passes over is that i can't remember what how much we saw of that the flux last we saw is the flux is like coming into the tardis 
I mean, the stuff, the, the, the TARDIS is acting weird too in this episode. Oh my gosh. Yes. The door, that was, the. it looked cool the way that like the door, yeah, the, the TARDIS is being affected by either the psychic energy or the flux or both, or they're the same thing. I don't know. Uh, but the TARDIS, yeah, the TARDIS is not operating right. Um, what did you think of the hammer thing and fixing the TARDIS? Not to be like Johnny, Johnny Plothole, Johnny Stickler, (laughs) Stickler man who's asking this like children's sci-fi show to like, I mean, you can be enjoyed by people who aren't children, but I feel like children is near the target audience of the show. I, I, just, I think I'm, it's. I'm a, I think it is a, a disservice. Yeah, I made a face. It is a disservice to the show to call it a children's sci-fi show. Okay. So just call it a sci-fi show. I don't know. Don't you know? I don't think it has to be diminished like that. Well, that's yeah. That speaks to you thinking that calling it a children's show is diminishing. That's a, that is a very good point. Um, so let's not call it a children's TV show to humor me. Okay. Thank At you. This sci-fi show that's been around for so long to stick to every little consistency but i feel like it took very little effort to open like the the center of the tardis or the 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 energy of the tardis into the flux oh yeah like take the vortex energy like i'm thinking of series one where like they had to like pull it out with like a car and like a chain (laughs) right but that's possible because it was a different tardis doing it yeah and a different different tardis Tardis, right yeah different or a different incarnation of the tardis and different uh, right, and and humans doing another doctor. Maybe doctor knows probably knows better than. So what did we see after, like after that ray of vortex energy hits the flux and nothing happens, right? Yeah, it, it doesn't affect it at all. Okay, and then what happened right after that? Then it's entering. Then it cliffhangers, and the 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 vortex looks like it. Not the vortex. The flux looks like it's going to consume the TARDIS. Okay, and that's kind of where we ended up. That's the episode. That's where the episode ends. All right. Oh, that's a lot of stuff. That's a lot of stuff. I, I feel like stuff. we might have even left something out, but I don't see... But you know what we haven't done? I mean, actually, I I just did it. I just was Johnny Plothole. <laughs> yeah. But, um... Johnny Plothole. Like, usually, I feel like half of our talk about a Doctor episode would be nitpicking, like, all, like, the weird inconsistencies and the weird stuff that is done wrong yeah. in an episode. And I feel like we just spent most of this, like, gushing about what could be happening yeah yeah this is a very positive sign yeah this is this is an upward turn yeah for for doctor who yeah i think so too jim nall era i am now i I was i'm excited about these next six five shows this yeah these next five episodes and i i don't know that i was super excited about all of this going in i was more like Oh, I hope it's good. Just, you know, just like we're going to watch it no matter what. We're going to talk about it no matter what. But now I'm legitimately like excited for to see what happens and, and to enjoy the ride. Do we want to talk about predictions for what happens next? We've been kind of doing this the whole time. Let's mention what we know about the, the next episode, which is called the War of the Centaurans. Okay. So we saw, we did see, oh, we see the Centaurans and Sauron say attack right at the end of this first one night. Yes, we did. We did. And they're saying, like, okay, the flux is imminent. It's happening. So now we can take advantage of all the chaos and do some attacking, it sounded like. And that's a very, like, Centauran response to this. And also, I hope we delve into how the Centaurans knew this was going to happen. How all these organizations know this is going to happen, but the Doctor doesn't. Right. Yeah. And does it have something to do with the memory wipe? It probably does. This is probably a problem from... Pre before Doctor Who, yeah, and who is Dan that he doesn't have that he does not succumb to the psychic ability from the dog people? 
and he's got this, you know, who who is he? Is he special? Kind of thing, you know. And he might be or might not be. I I felt it was a little heavy handed, like, you know, you're not special, like, you're but, insignificant. You know, then why did you kidnap me? And uh, but again, it was only it just only got up to the warning signs of that Chibnall grossness. Uh, it didn't cross the line by any means. Yeah, would you like to... IMDb has a description of the next episode. Let's hear it. ...being read. During the Crimean War, the Doctor discovers the British Army fighting a brutal alien army of Centaurans as Yaz and Dan are thrown deeper into a battle for survival. What is the temple of Atropos? Who are the Mori? Ooh, okay. So that's... I don't know why that makes me hesitant now. Like... (laughs) Why are you like, inter- that doesn't sound good at all. Why are we introducing new things? I don't know. There's more, there's more like, stuff to go really on. Need to know How is Moray spelled? Moray is. M-O-U-R-I. Uh, okay. Yeah, um, I don't know. Yeah, I, it's... That doesn't... That doesn't excite you. That doesn't excite <laughs> me. The, the idea of seeing the Centaurans fight and continuing the storyline... They said fighting the British Army? Is that what it said? Yeah. Yeah, all right. <laughs> that doesn't excite me either, but do, we'll do see. Do you not want more? We can commentate on like how war is bad. We can do some like classic Doctor <laughs> Who war is bad stuff. Right? Yeah, I want to see where it goes. Again, I, you know that's uh, that second episode teaser does not uh, excite me, but this first episode did, and I'm so go team. Let's move forward. Yeah, and I it's it's I was excited about until the what is the Temple of Atropos and who are the Mori stuff. Like I feel like we introduced a lot in this episode. Let's continue the storyline we don't need to introduce more and more stuff each episode right right but I mean, we're, we're but, complaining about him we haven't seen it yet yeah that's true but, and you know i love it when we do that um but like but you know in a six episode arc you know so the first third you're still introducing things so this is still part of the first the second episode is still part of the first third you know of the beginning middle and end kind of thing so you know if they start introducing something random in the fourth or fifth episode then we got you know probably problems but we'll see let's just see what happens now, who and this being the final series of Chibnall's run. I love how we've gone this final episode, this whole podcast, without mentioning that Russell T. Davies is going to return as a show. <laughs> that's right. Um, but, but, but that's a whole nother. We don't have time to even we'll talk about get that into right now. all that. Like, how are they going to do some like finale making stuff for her? Like, are we going to? How are Ryan and Graham reacting to all this? How? Well, are they even in this part of this? Or will they be even be in the series? I mean, probably. I know both Chibnall and Jody have some specials that are really going to end uh, her run. Right. So it's these six run. episodes and three specials? Yeah. Yeah, so that's probably where they'll bring them back into it, I guess. But, like, how other Chibnall stuff, like, how is the, how is the master reacting to all this the master and those cyber lords i thought that guy was going to be like another version of the master at first and that did oh my not, god that did not excite so, me at all i'll be so annoyed <laughs> i would be so annoyed like, yeah. and i'm actually the master like every secretive villain is the master <laughs> that's Who. exactly like, what i, mean, I we're, thought we're like the last person to save us but right that's pretty funny so it's all very interesting i I'm ready to see more battles with the swarm, more of the division stuff. Just saying, cyber lords maybe cringe a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I hope they aren't really that involved in this. I hope not either. Um, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. But I'm, I am very, I am very happy with this episode. I am. I'm too. very happy to see 
how the flux uh, expands and goes on. This Temple of Atropos thing. I don't. I. I wonder if you caught this, or even I should mention this. And I'm sure, like, through articles and leaks and stuff, people already know like the whole whole plot of the the series. But I would doubt it. I there was not. an ood in that next on episode thing, right? Oh uh, yeah. I I, for, I remember seeing the ood. Is maybe that's part of the or on the yeah. At some point, we've seen an ood in one of the trailers or something. I don't remember if it was just in that one, but yeah. So it's interesting. So yeah, it's all very. It's very interesting. <laughs> it's all like, are they? How do they get out of this whole uh, flux thing? What's going on with the Centaurans? And are it seems like this next episode they're going to deal with the Centauran part of the storyline. Are they going to like? Is that is that going to be how it is for the following episodes? Is it going to be like here's this part of the first episode? We're going to flesh it out here. Oh, uh, that'll be fun to see. I, I yeah, I I don't think they will, but they certainly could. That could be it. That could be the structure. Um, yeah, but we'll check it out. We will. Um, are you reading anything? Are we doing that? Are we talking about reading? We didn't do any a lot of intro banter. I don't know if we're doing what we're reading. I forget. We're not reading anything right now. We're, we're watching Doctor Who is what we're doing, and we're eating candy and trick-or-treating. Yeah, we're doing <laughs> Halloween learning on Halloween. Ha, pshaw. Yeah. Woo. Who needs All it? right. Who needs it? So thanks for joining us for this. Obviously, we'll be doing this uh, for one for each episode, and, uh, you know, we're looking forward to the next week's. Flux. Flux. Until we meet again. Dana Dagohorn. Thank you for listening to the Owls on Culture podcast. Our theme music was recorded and assembled by Marine Sozier and Antoine Blanc. The show is produced by Pinecone Turkey. To learn more about Pinecone Turkey, visit pineconeturkey.com, where you can read the latest blog posts from the Owls on Culture hosts and sign up for the Flock email, a twice-a-month newsletter that delivers a short film, poetry, a short story, and visual art right to your inbox. It's your monthly dose of art curated by Pinecone Turkey. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so by leaving us a rating on iTunes. Thanks for listening.